Kimmel. I think uh, most of you know me. Uh, I'd like to welcome you to this conference on the Kennedy phenomenon. And I'd like to begin by thanking my colleagues from the New Criterion, uh, and especially our Hilton Kramer fellow, uh, Eric Simpson, for all the logistical legwork that he did to put, put this together. Um, I'd also like to thank the Thomas W. Smith Foundation, who supported the event and made it possible. And uh, in fact, uh, the Smith Foundation has been a very important collaborator uh, with the new criterion for these last few years. They made a lot of things possible, so I'm uh, delighted to be able to thank them publicly. Now, the Kennedy phenomenon. What is it? What was it? It was and is, I think, something much larger than uh, one president or even his ex expanded, uh, extended family clan. Uh, the family that kind of carried the torch, the Kennedy torch, and burnished the myth over the years. Of course, at the center of the Kennedy phenomenon is the assassination, uh, something that took place 50 years ago on Friday. But there were other founding elements to the Kennedy phenomenon beside the assassination. There was the, uh, the glitter of wealth and celebrity. There was the assiduously manufactured myth of Camelot with its Potemkin-like aura of sophistication and uh, high culture. Pablo Casals in the White House, that sort of thing. Uh, a, a, uh, a minder at Kennedy's ear who would tell him when to applaud. <laughs> but there's also the zeitgeist, the yeasty crucible of what came to be denominated the 60s, that long, long decade that started before Kennedy became president in the 1950s, I think, and whose revolutionary impetus uh, we're still conjuring with today, more than 50 years on. But let's start with the assassination. It is one of the defining ironies of that shattering event that although President Kennedy was killed by a communist, a worshiper at the shrine of Fidel Castro, he was nonetheless slain or so we are told, by a climate of right-wing hatred. What could that mean? The assassination of John Kennedy provided, provides an object lesson, I think, in the relative weakness of facts when they are besieged by a myth whose story is fueled by the intoxicating miasma of self-righteousness. Thus, the brute discrepancy between being killed on, one, on the one hand and being slain with its almost sort of biblical resonance on the other. John Kennedy was killed by one man, Lee Harvey Oswald, a left-wing fanatic. But his corpse was not yet cold before the world was told that although someone called Oswald may have pulled the trigger, what really destroyed John Kennedy was the climate of right-wing hatred that had settled over so much of America particularly such unenlightened readouts as Dallas, Texas. Now, in fact, as Jim Pearson 
pointed out just Friday in the Wall Street Journal, the assassination of John Kennedy was an event in the Cold War. But neither that fact nor the facts of Oswald's biography, from his defection to the Soviet Union to his love affair with third world revolutionaries, could survive the imperatives of the myths according to which Kennedy was the victim of right-wing hatred and even more preposterously, a martyr in the cause of civil rights. In order to appreciate the fragility of facts when confronted by the right sort of flattering myth, one need only cast one's eyes over a story that appeared in the New York Times this weekend. Entitled, The City with a Death Wish in Its Eye, this model of obtuse mythomania purports to show that Dallas in 1963 was the city that willed the death of the president, and I quote. The author, one James McCauley, acknowledges in passing that Dallas is not, of course, the city that killed Kennedy. But the entire burden of his piece is to argue the opposite, concluding that even today there are remnants of, quote, the environment of extreme hatred that prepared the conflagration into which Kennedy's motorcade drove on that fateful day. Now, Macaulay's column is a kind of model, I think, of dishonest, politically self-righteous insinuation and dissimulation. It is bad even by the exigent standards of our former paper of record. But it is also typical, and this is what makes it important, it is also typical of the official narrative bequeathed to us by the left liberal keepers of the Kennedy flame. Now I'm delighted that we have some of America's most thoughtful commentators with us today to anatomize the Kennedy phenomenon. Fred Siegel, a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and author most recently of The Revolt Against the Masses, How Liberalism Undermined the Middle Class, will step back and uh, reflect on what Richard Hofstadter called the paranoid style in American politics. I'm showing you an advanced copy of Fred's book. Uh, you can't have it, but you can order it. Uh, uh, you'll, you'll notice some fine reading material uh, outside in uh, this room, and you can, uh, you can order Fred's, Fred's book from, uh, from my colleagues there. Uh, James Pearson author of the just-published Camelot and the Cultural Revolution, How the Assassination of John F. Kennedy Shattered American Liberalism, will discuss the ideological conflicts that informed the manufacture of the Kennedy legend. And Ira Stoll, JFK, conservative, will show how far Kennedy himself departed from the left liberal program that his political heirs pursued in his name. At lunch, I'm delighted that Edward J. Epstein will talk about his new book, the JFK Assassination Diary, uh, my search for the answers to the mystery of the century. Uh, all of these books, with the exception of Fred's, are, are for sale at a, a uh, attractive price with no sales tax. So I hope you'll, uh, uh, <laughs> I hope you'll avail yourself of this uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, now, the especially alert among you will have noticed that I have omitted one name from our program. I regret to say that my friend Peter Collier, co-author of the best biography of the Kennedys, uh, was detained in California by a family emergency. 
Peter did, however, send along the text of his talk. And so if you would just close your eyes, I will do my best to um, impersonate Peter for the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, uh, uh.